Today's episode of First Look ETF is brought to you by the New York Stock Exchange, the home of ETFs. To hear from experts across the ETF market, visit homeofetfs.com. NYSE has sponsored this production by ETF Guide LLC for illustrative, informational, and educational purposes only, without regard to any particular investor's objectives, financial situation, or circumstances. NYSE neither represents nor warrants the accuracy or correctness of any of the statements in the production, which has been independently assembled by ETF Guide LLC and with whom sole editorial control rests. NYSE makes no recommendation as to possible benefits from any securities or trading strategies, and this production is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or engage in any trading strategy. Prior to the execution of a purchase or sale of any security, you are advised to consult with your own advisors. This is First Look ETF. I'm Stephanie Stanton with ETF Guide. We are so glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, tapping into the investment potential of Web3. We'll analyze a new ETF that tackles what many believe will be the Internet's next gen. Plus, a newly launched ETF designed to hedge against rising interest rates. But first, let's get a quick recap of new ETF launches. We've got Douglas Jonas joining us from the New York Stock Exchange. Hi, Douglas. It's good to see you. Hi, Stephanie. It's great to see you. And as expected, October continuing to run here in ETF world. 36 new ETFs raising $1.5 billion in new assets under management. So even with pretty volatile market conditions that have continued all year, uh, ETF growth continues to trend upwards regardless of what we see in the equity markets. Yeah. And speaking of trends, what other important trends in the ETF market are you seeing at this point? We continue to see a lot of milestone events. We've got over 3,000 ETFs now in the U.S. Uh, assets under management, over $6 trillion, and we're coming up on our 1,000th, 1,000th, easy for me to say, uh, active ETF, with over half of the launches year-to-date being active. And the trends continue to remain the same. People are focused on education, whether it be through this television show or many others that you can find at the home of ETFs.com. People are focused on innovation. The today's show, perfect example. We've got folks that are going to talk about uh, what's happening in, in the future web. And a lot of asset managers are bringing great product ideas to the market during inflationary markets. That's what we're seeing, inflation. And today's show is going to tackle that and talk about a new ETF that focuses on inflationary, rising inflationary markets. So again, ETFs just tending to be the forefront of investments and investment portfolios and a lot of action that we're seeing uh, with cash flows coming into ETFs that are just not seeing in mutual fund these days. Yeah, and the numbers are certainly very impressive, even despite the tough market conditions. Okay, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, as you just said, a lot has been happening this year in the ETF marketplace. Next month, we're actually planning a year-end special of First Look ETF, so we're looking forward to that. What will we expect to see on that episode with you? Yeah, it's our year-end special. I don't think it'll be animated, and I'm not sure if Santa will arrive. Uh, but we will talk a lot about the key themes, right? What are people uh, thinking about when it comes to the ETF space? What does innovation look like? Where's growth coming from? And we'll do a really nice recap on the year. You know, there's a, there's a lot of key things that people are focused on right now, whether it's ETF conversions from mutual funds, whether it be some of the tax planning that's happening going into year-end, and, and some of the other ways that asset managers are really coming 
coming up with unique ideas for 2023. So stay tuned for next month's episode. All right. Good stuff. As always, Douglas, stay off the naughty list. Thanks, Stephanie. And just a quick reminder that you can now watch First Look ETF on Amazon Fire TV and Roku. So be sure to check us out there. Also, we simulcast First Look ETF on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music and other major podcasting platforms. So don't miss it. Some observers believe Web3 is the Internet's next big evolution. It includes game changers like decentralization, blockchain technologies, and token-based economics. Well, how can investors own a piece of Web3? Here to break it all down for us is Matt Hogan, the Chief Investment Officer at Bitwise Asset Management. Hi, Matt. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. Okay, so many believe that Web3 will shape our digital future. What is Web3 and why is it so promising? Oh, such a great question. You know, the web so far has been through two major generations. At the first stage of the web, what we call Web1, it was read only. It'd be a website like the New York Times that you could go on and read content. And that was a revolution. But later on in the early 2000s, we got to Web2, where we came up with the idea of what's called a read-write website. Things like Facebook or other social media applications where you as a user could both consume content and create it yourself. The thing about both of those generations of the web was they created massive companies and massive opportunities for investors. In the first phase, everything from Amazon to AOL to Yahoo. In the second phase, iconic firms like Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. Well, Web3 is about using blockchain technology to allow you not just to read, not just to write, but to own things on the web, to own property, to own money, to own your own data. And many people think that this will create a wave of investment opportunities that is even bigger than Web1 and even bigger than Web2. So Web3, to sum up, is a read-write-own internet where you can own goods and the opportunities that that will create for investors are just massive. Yeah, it obviously sounds very exciting. Now, the Bitwise Web3 ETF, your ticker is BWEB or BWEB. It's among your firm's latest launches. Tell us about this fund's holdings and strategy. Absolutely. What we try to do at Bitwise when we create ETFs is design them to provide pure play exposure to a given theme. So that within BWEB, you have companies that have recognized that the Web3 is coming and are building businesses to capitalize on it. These are companies like Roblox, which is a leading user-generated uh, video gaming company. Companies like Equinix, which is building data centers that will accelerate the location of the web so it's closer to people. Companies like Coinbase that are onboarding people onto this Web3 economy. These are the future leaders of the web and they're available in publicly traded companies today. Yeah, you know, I have a 13-year-old son, so I'm learning about Web3 actually from him. He's a big fan of Roblox. <laughs> Huge company and massive business, really exciting. Okay, so how do you see BWeb being used by investors and financial advisors? Yeah, I think there are really two ways that you can think about BWeb's role in a portfolio. The first way to think about it is as a better cut on technology. Just like Web2 giants replace many of the Web1 giants, Web3 companies, companies that see this train coming and are getting ahead of it, are going to be the leaders of the next technological revolution. So investors who have exposure to technology in their portfolio might want to think about upgrading it and future-proofing their portfolio for what's coming from a Web3 perspective. 
I do think there's another angle, though. Companies that are, or, or investors that are looking for companies that will have sort of a secular tailwind that will power them through the current economic difficulty that we're getting into, I think that will be an interesting way to play. So I expect this portfolio to offer differentiated returns versus generalized tech and differentiated returns versus the market as a whole because this Web3 trend is so large, so potentially generationally significant, and BWeb offers investors the ability to gain access to that in a convenient ETF wrapper. Yeah, sounds very exciting. Matt Hogan, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me. Aggressive interest rate hikes by the Federal Reserve have triggered falling bond prices and an unwanted volatility in the bond market. Well, how can investors hedge their portfolios against the damage of rising rates? We are pleased to have Scott Pang, PhD, founder and CEO at Advocate Capital Management, to break it all down for us. Hi, Scott. It's great to have you with us. Thank you, Stephanie. It's great to be here. Okay, before we talk about your firm's latest ETF launch, 2022 has ushered in dramatic changes in the bond market. We are witnessing things we really haven't seen in many decades. What for bond investors is different today versus the past? I think we discovered two things about the bond market in the past year. The first is the downside risk of bonds. For about four decades leading into 2020, we've really been in a long-term bull market for bonds. And as such, bond markets did not really reveal their downside risk. In the last two years, as interest rates have been rising, we're really starting to see the bond market show its teeth. For example, um, the last 12 months, uh, from, last, from the end of October, we saw the U.S. bond market, as represented by the Bloomberg Aggregate Index, drop over 15%. That is by far the largest year-over-year drop in the history of the bond market. And that's something I think really should give investors some pause. In a rising rate environment, bond markets are going to be considerably more risky than they have been in the past. I think the second important thing we learned about the bond market in the past year is the rising correlation of bonds to other risk assets. Now, that is and is not a new development. If you look at the correlation of equities, S&P, versus bonds, the aggregate index, prior to 2000, there was a multi-decade period when they were positively correlated. That is, when bonds went up, equities went up. And that was really, not so coincidentally, in a period of high inflation and high interest rates. Since 2000, core inflation has been in the 1% to 2% range, and as such, bond and equity correlations have really started to decouple. And investors made use of that lower to negative correlation between equities and bonds to construct diversified portfolios. But as inflation has returned, as rates are now higher, we believe that the positive correlation between bonds, equities, and other asset classes really has a very significant impact on diversified portfolios. They're going to start becoming less diversified and more risky than people have been accustomed to in the past 20 years. So bearing that in mind, let's talk about the strategy inside the Advocate Rising Rate Hedge ETF, which your ticker is RRH. How does this fund work and what are some of its top holdings? Sure. Um, we launched the Advocate Rising Rate Hedge ETF, RRH symbol, about a year ago. And the reason for our launching this product is twofold. One is timing. 
at that point, interest rates has started to rise. But our perspective is that we are in a multi-year long bear market for bonds, and therefore there's plenty of opportunity for this product to help investors. I think the second reason we launched it is our approach to the rising rate product. When we look, when we look out at the current landscape of rising rate products, almost all of them are either shorting bonds or buying options to effectively short bonds. We take a very different approach. We adopt a multi-asset, multi-strat approach to this rising rate uh, portfolio. And we believe that this approach offers uh, quite a few advantages. For example, um, a multi-strat, multi-asset approach allows us to close out strategies that may have done well and rotate our risk allocation to other cheaper strategies. And if you're running a monolithic short bond portfolio, pretty much the only thing you can do is to close out your bond short. You can lock in some money, but you lose the protection against rising rates. And I think that's a very important issue. I think the second, um, second advantage of our approach really is the ability to reposition our portfolio if market conditions change. And again, that's not something that you can do easily with a monolithic short bond approach. So how would an investor or a financial advisor use RRH inside of a diversified portfolio? I think if you look at how active ETFs have done in the past year, the top performers in the past year were really negative or inverse asset types of ETFs. And RRH has been fortunate in that its performance in the past year has ranked it in the top five out of a thousand of active ETFs in the U.S. as tracked by Bloomberg. But away from this, away from performance, we think the negative correlation that products such as RRH can provide will be quite useful to investors in this positive correlation world. If most assets are positively correlated, then not only do diversified portfolios convey more risk, but you sort of lose the efficient frontier that you would get by constructing positive with negatively correlated assets. So negatively cor correlated assets such as RRH, we feel, can be very helpful to investor portfolios to help reestablish that efficient frontier and to help reduce some risk. For example, in the past 12 months, even a 10 or 20% allocation to RRH out of a equity, bond, or 60-40 portfolio could have reduced portfolio risk by about a third. And that's pretty considerable. All right, we're going to have to leave it there. Scott Pang, thank you so much for joining us here on First Look ETF. It's good to see you. Thank you, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. And that does it for today's episode of First Look ETF. If you enjoyed the show, tell us in the comment section below and by hitting the like button. A big thanks to all of our guests, along with Douglas Jonas at the New York Stock Exchange. Be sure to check out homeofetfs.com to learn more. Also, don't forget to watch First Look ETF on Amazon Fire TV and Roku. Plus, you can listen to the podcast version of the show. It is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other major podcasting platforms. And don't forget to keep an eye out next month for our year-end ETF special. We will take a look back at the 2022 ETF marketplace milestones, and we'll also look ahead to 2023. I'm Stephanie Stanton with ETF Guide. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you next time.
Today's episode of First Look ETF is brought to you by the New York Stock Exchange, the home of ETFs. To hear from experts across the ETF market, visit homeofetfs.com. NYSE has sponsored this production by ETF Guide LLC for illustrative, informational, and educational purposes only, without regard to any particular investor's objectives, financial situation, or circumstances. NYSE neither represents nor warrants the accuracy or correctness of any of the statements in the production, which has been independently assembled by ETF Guide LLC and with whom sole editorial control rests. NYSE makes no recommendation as to possible benefits from any securities or trading strategies, and this production is not a rec- recommendation, offer, or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or engage in any trading strategy. Prior to the execution of a purchase or sale of any security, you are advised to consult with your own advisors.